Welcome back to another episode of the Bad Taste Video Podcast. I am Mike and I am here with Grizz, the animal to my hawk, right? <laughs> I got the haircut. Anthony, that's for sure. <laughs> aka, yeah, well, we could, that's about the only haircuts we, we can do up. at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anthony, the Paul Ellering of the group, uh, could not make it tonight, but. This is the first episode of the new year. It is 2021. Uh, I have yet to write the date out, so I haven't fucked yeah, that same. up yet, but I know I'm gonna. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I know, always. and it's gonna be something fucking important, like a tax form or some <laughs> shit where they're gonna fuck me. Right? Eight years from now, they're gonna be garnishing my wages. <laughs> God bless America, right? You're paid by New $25 that that in to. 2021 because you messed up the tax forms. Dude, I, I knew a guy who was like, no, I got a really great accountant. I'm like, oh, yeah, man? He's like, yeah, I write everything. Famous off. last like, words. Everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. That's probably not really a good idea to go down that route. <laughs> And he's like, no, 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 no. So later on, I find out that he's getting uh, like audited, and then he's getting fucking garnished by the fucking tax yeah, man. Eighty percent right? of his uh, check goes you. to the government every week. <laughs> Ouch! It's not worth it. How much do you really save? Right? How much are you really getting back? Not in the long run, shit. It's like child support. It's not worth not enough. It. Not enough. Jeez, that's like when people are like, oh, I'd rob a bank for fifty thousand dollars. It's like, dude, you're gonna throw everything away for fifty grand? <laughs> like, you can't live off that shit. Maybe a million. What are you gonna do? They know bank giving you a million. A million, that's for sure. Dude, the only way that you're getting away with a million dollars is if you have cash and you go to some like country, like you know, where the cost of living is literally nothing. Like, where is even like a place like like Thailand? No, that's even expensive now, isn't oh, I'm it? Sure. I uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Where the fuck was the guy from uh, McAfee? Where did he go? Where he was like trying to like raise like a militia and shit too. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking Jim Jones type of shit. Yeah, yeah, the antivirus guy. <laughs> Dude, like, it, it just reminds me of this. Like, I just watched this uh, documentary on uh, Netflix recently called the legend of cocaine island have you seen this shit at all no what the fuck is all that right, dude, i i highly recommend this to everybody we and my buddy had put it on on a whim and this shit was wild and it's all a true story so it's a documentary with everybody that had happened to in it and this dude's on vacation uh, in the bahamas and he finds a suitcase on the beach full of cocaine like kilos wrapped up like ship something like something went down it washed Jesus ashore. Jesus Christ. So the dude buries it, right, on the fucking, on the beach, because he's like, dude, I got to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do with all this cocaine. And the guy is like a straight-laced, normal, white-bread fucking American douchebag kind of like, you know, boomer dude. So he's never been in any trouble, never done anything wrong, and he comes back and he starts figuring out a plan and how he's going to bring it back to the America so he can sell it and, like, make some money on it. Yeah, yeah. The whole yeah. thing turns out this fucking crazy like junkie ends up getting involved and snitches on him. Dude, the fucking cops bring the cocaine to America for him and set him up. And the dude ends up getting out of it because of that because the cops basically entrapped him by bringing the cocaine to America and giving wow. it to him. So the judge so was like, "What the fuck is this? You guys can't like 
pretend to be like drug smugglers and then bring the motherfucker cocaine and then be like, oh, we caught you with it. Like you guys gave it yeah, to yeah. him. You can't do that shit. Dude, the wildest story yeah. ever. It's it's so convoluted and there's so much that goes on. Uh, Cocaine Island on Netflix. I can't recommend that shit enough. Such a wild story. I have to watch that. Dude, that seems that seems fucking crazy. The people in what it. What would are, you do in dude, that situation? I'm doing that situation. What what could you possibly do? I mean, besides having one hell of a weekend, I don't know what I would do besides that. Dude, I've seen too many things, not movies, like real things of people a getting killed oh, because somebody was watching. Yeah, somebody was watching the package, or it was GPS or something like that. Or B, you don't know how to fucking like get rid of that shit at that level. Who the fuck are you gonna, you know? And to smuggle it Ugh. into the country? That's huge. Get out of here, That's dude. Big business. You, nobody you gets balls a, of steel. You rarely. Yeah, you rarely see people getting away with it's that. Like, like you don't have the connections. It's for like that. that uh, I love that movie, uh, No Country for Old Men. Where yeah. he finds that that money from the fucking drug dealers from the the shootout that went bad, it's like yeah they got fucking Anton Chigar coming after you. What are you that, doing? That, okay, that's even a harder fucking, situation because you're not dealing with drugs. The cattle punch, he's gonna fucking get you with that fucking thing. I can't do that. Another what a fucking amazing movie that movie is. That guy is so badass. He scares the living shit out of me. It's the haircut. It's, it's the, the bowl cut. That haircut. Does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes it super unsettling, right? But that's the harder choice, like get, right there. It's almost, it's almost like a Hank Hill type haircut, <laughs> right? Like in that same realm, where if some dude with like some big dude came up to you, super serious, and he had that haircut, you're just gonna be like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's that big too. That dude seems like a tank in that movie. I don't think he's that like. Is he that big in real life, or is it just like? I have no, I have no. He clue. seems like a monster, no though, dude. <sighs> what a, I could watch this I, shit over I, and over. I didn't like that movie when it first came out. I was like, ah, it's all right. And then I watched it again like a couple years ago, and I was like, wow, this movie, this movie fucks, man. I think okay, so I never <laughs> saw it when it first came out because everybody like just praised the shit out of it. So whenever that happens, I'm like, well, that's too cool for me. I'm not gonna watch that. I'm the sa- I'm the same <laughs> way. Dude, if anything gets popular, I'm, I'm like, sorry. I'm too fucking cool for that. Get out of here with that shit. But I think it paid off because I, I mean, didn't see it for like five years and then i watched it and i was like this movie is fucking awesome so Uh, you know what i am gonna say though that when you do hate the popular shit like that and you don't watch it immediately you end up like watching it more objectively like later on down the line when the the hype dies down and i'll always eat my words when i i'm wrong and the movie was good that was when i was wrong but i'm not gonna lie man I'm a hater. I was right on Midsummer though. <laughs> I'm a hater. I waited on that and I did I not hate pay that off. Movie. I hate all those movies. Did not pay off. I, I ended up I ended up seeing all those movies and I ended up liking none yeah. of them. Couldn't do it for I me. Almost I almost like the one with the evil twin. Is that, is that um, the, the her, uh, Us? Or oh, was that Us it's called? Is that what it's I called? I haven't seen that one. I've only seen the I think it's what, Heredity and then uh Hereditary. Yeah, that one. Heard. Oh wait, is Us a twenty four? Is that one of those movies? I don't know. That That's one's a Jordan Peele movie. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of new horror movies, but my my girlfriend had watched uh, that Midsummer movie, so I sat down and watched it with her, and I was like, "This was this is what everybody was fucking losing their shit over because it just did not do it for me. Looked cool, I guess. So, Visually, it's nice, but I don't know. 
So I realized why I don't like a lot of those movies. They're not weird enough for me to like them because they're, they're weird. weird. Yeah, it's mainstream weird. That's right. And, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and they're not like original enough, I guess, or like something that like is interesting to me. Yeah, I feel like like then, when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this director's seen a bunch of Dodorowsky films. I get it. I know what's going on here. So it just kind of feels like a ripoff. It's all pretty safe to me, or it's like a softball, or it's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stupid shit like that. And I get it. You know, we obviously have a different preference than a lot of uh, people, you know? Like, I honestly am going to say, I, dude, I, you know the shit that I watch. Yeah. Like, it's garbage. And I know it's garbage, but that's what I find entertaining. So, you know, for me to watch something like that and it's like, well, you know, it's kind of just average on all fronts. I have to think about that more, too, about, like, how, how differently, you know, my experience in watching something is compared to somebody else who, you know, hasn't really dived into a lot of the underground stuff where, you know, Midsummer probably seems like something pretty out there and pretty, uh, you know, artistically different and shit. So I could see how your average moviegoer would see that and be like, oh, this is something special. Whereas I've, I don't know, like well, for me, I'm just like, yeah, this is cool, but I feel like it's a, it's a little bit of a try-hard film. Well, remember also, if you ask the average person, even your age, like, oh, have you ever seen this movie? They're going to be like, no. Like, the, the shit that... If you're listening to this podcast, you're in a very small percentage of people that are watching these movies in, in reality. Yeah, I think you that's true. You know what true. I mean? Like, how many... Uh, even, like, movies that we think are huge movies that everybody knows... Go ask some guy at fucking Target or something. <laughs> hey, have you ever seen Zombie? Yeah. Have you seen Demon Wind? You know that movie? Even though I did at the gym have a guy comment on my face as a Death Part 2 shirt that I'm wearing <laughs> right now. And he was like an older dude. I was like, wow, Okay, man, see, I think that legit. gets a pass, though, because that movie, dude, that's a tape that you would see at the video store that like wouldn't really be in the horror section. It could be in a lot of different sections in that video store. And just that name and the, the mystique. I think if it's like that, like late 80s, 90s, a lot of people know Faces of Death, even if they haven't seen it. Yeah, but part two, man. I mean, you got Faces, it's the faces of, death, of death. I don't know if he was, was he particularly like, hey, remember that no, scene yes. in part two? Yeah. Okay, then that dude's cool as yes. fuck. No, he was particular about part two. Then that dude rules. He I'll knew give the him difference credit. between part one and part <laughs> two. That's why I was so surprised. There was also like a British guy that commented on a Sisters of Mercy shirt I was wearing. I was like, bloody hell, mate. Sisters of you, Mercy. Where the fuck did you come from? I was like, where'd you come from? So offensive what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Sorry, Super yeah, Tad. I didn't do it. I didn't attempt to do it. I, I'm not doing. I'm not doing impersonations of other. Uh, let me, other languages let me put anymore. my own foot in my mouth. It's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, you, yeah. That's Grizz's <laughs> job now. So, Grizz, why don't you? Uh, why don't you? Why don't you take us back, man? All right, you fly-infested shitbags. Buckle up. Because we're going to take you back in time. That's right. It's February of 1991. Mike, set the scene. 
You know, it was number one on the billboards the week that this was released, that our movie of the week was released. I don't know, but you're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you right fucking now. CNC Music Factory, <laughs> baby. going to make you sweat. <laughs> bam. I hope you have that queued up because I need to fucking jam on that right now. I'm, oh, hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's like a song that you forget that was actually a new song at one point. You know what I mean? That came out in our it lifetime. Feels timeless. That didn't that didn't come out of like the block party ether or like the wedding ether. Like that was actually <laughs> on like the radio the at one song point. Where it just exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was one of those ones that crossed over, like a similar example, Mambo number no. five. Oh god. That is now a song that you'll always see at a fucking wedding. I remember for some that goddamn song coming out and it still haunts my dreams. The shit's so horrible. Yeah. yeah. Every school dance ever, everybody was fucking, oh, Felicia, and then, you know, Kimberly and bullshit. <laughs> it was the worst. And getting all hyped over. It's like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this, this dude's Stupid. talking about all the fucking chicksy womanizers, and you guys are shaking your butts to it. Like, that's, this is the yeah. jam. Let me go sit out back, smoke a cigarette, and listen to my sugar. <laughs> all right? Speaking of metal, I like that, that this cool. is the, uh, what some people might consider the 1991 could be the death of Metallica. What is your take on the Black Album? You know, I'm a fan of Kill 'Em All. I'm a fan of Ride the Lightning, Justice. Master Puppets, Injustice. Yeah, you know what? This this is the one where they kind of turn to more like just main, more like metal rock, rock metal. Yeah, the radio friendly know. Metallica, as some people would say. Yeah, they really did like turn the page. You see what I did there? Oh, remember when dude. they covered that? Remember dude. when they covered that? You should take a shot of the old whiskey in the jarro for that joke. <laughs> uh, right, I'm gonna see myself out, you guys. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like that Metallica album was just too corny for me. There's some good songs on it, I guess. There's some things that aren't bad. I think that it's know? just like there's so many. Uh, singles off of it that have been overplayed so much that it just feels like uh man it's just like you hear it on the radio i it's almost sad that you have to turn the dial because it's like fuck dude here's another goddamn metallica song (laughs) on the black album enter sandman radio single sad but true radio single right uh the unforgiven Radio single. Wherever I may roam. Radio single. Uh, nothing else matters. <laughs> Damn. I think that's really it. I think that's so it. So how many tracks um, are on there? Twelve. Wow. So five out of twelve songs, radio singles. That's that's imp- let's compare that's that. Impressive. Don't get me wrong, but I think that's a little bit. Uh, that's that's a lot for one album. What would you say is their second, maybe I, I guess Injustice for All would be their second most like mainstream of that time, like where people would be buying fucking records. Yeah, probably right? in that, yeah, that era. All right, let's see. One, uh, Harvester of Sorrow. Uh, was Bla- Yeah, Blackened, right? Did they release that? Was that a radio single? I think it's more popular, you know, in, in like the more metal community than it is a radio song 
Yeah. I don't so know. I think that would pretty much be it from that album. Really... Yeah, I guess. Damn. And both of those fucking... two songs are better than any of the fives that you just mentioned on the Black Album, in my opinion. I don't know. The Black Album's pretty shitty, yeah. especially when uh, three months after this week's movie was released, Dismember uh, released like an ever flowing stream, which has one of my favorite songs, and so is Life. Amazing. <laughs> What a great fucking band. I love that shit. So also, 1991, a movie that came out that's not a horror movie, but I, I think is fucking awesome. Boys in the Hood. Little Cuba Gooding. I, little, I wasn't expecting uh, that, but dude, I got to agree. That's a great movie. I enjoy that also. Yeah, dude. Ice Cube, right? And that's something that uh, we talked about, uh, you know, we've done a lot of movies recently that have this like iconic status, like uh, like The Shining and Boys in the Hood yeah. is another one that's like that, where it's been parodied and, uh, you know, redone so many times by so many different things in pop culture. The the whole there's a dead body scene and stuff like that. That's been fucking. You want to see a dead yeah, body? Yeah, that's been done so many times <laughs> by by so many like The Simpsons and all the cartoons and shit. Family Guy definitely oh, yeah. did that. Not to I mention, think. like, my absolute favorite parody movie of all fucking time, Don't Be a Menace in South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. The fucking best hood movie there ever will be, period. That one's also making fun of uh, Menace to Society, which is another fucking awesome Great movie. Uh, like, hood movie, like South Central LA hood movie. I'm a huge Wayans fan. They're, they're just smart as fuck, dude. I love what they do. Now, of the two non-parody movies, Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society, which one do you like more? Because it's it's kind of like a debate, right? Which one is better? I think I got to go with Boys in the Hood just because I, I think it just has one a better cast. I think uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in that movie is outstandingly good. I think it's probably, I know it's one of his first movies, and I think it's probably one of the best movies he's ever done period because i don't yeah, care especially all the shirts he's wearing oh, yeah <laughs> but i can't remember him like being like the rock, you know, as man. i mean he did that shitty one with jerry Maguire or whatever but like i don't think there's any other roles where you're like dude cuba gooding jr kills this like he does in boys in the hood so that's got to be my choice when the fucking dude when the uh when the friend gets shot Ugh. right the, the the good one gets shot and he's fucking dying on on the couch he's bleeding out you like, feel dude, that that's real dude, you fuck. feel that scene and then yeah, especially when Ice Cube is like, fuck this, and he leaves and he gets the gun like he's going for revenge now. Like, dude, that's the, the tale as old as time, right? It's heavy. I, that's like, now people that don't live in America, like, I don't know if you know that, like, that's like, that was a crazy time out in California. Oh, early, right? Like, dude, like 90, that 91? early 90s, Shh. like. I mean, you had a lot going oh, on. Like I mean, the, there was like a there was a lot of gang warfare going on in the inner cities. The whole crack. Rodney King happened, epidemic. and that created a whole bunch of rioting and uh, powder keg. Yeah, dude, it was just seriously a fucking like you said a powder keg that it literally exploded in a shit ton of crime and violence and, and uprising that I think was justified in some cases. I mean, shit, dude, the, that that Rodney King incident. I remember being a, a young kid. And even at my age, processing the videos and shit that you would see on the news, even here on the East Coast, and being like, yo, some shit is going down Damn. in L.A. I mean, I think of the uh, the song. I used to be a huge Sublime fan in high school. And they do that uh, that song, April 26, 1992. 
where it's all talking about you know the riots and where they got their gear fucking from stealing from the music stores and shit and like i just think of that every time i uh, i think of those riots the only the only uh news i remember as a child coming from the west coast was uh rodney king and oj simpson oh, those the were the simpson only ones i remember huge dude holy fuck i remember that being on tv being like fuck i want i want to watch fucking woody woodpecker bro and this is on you kidding me right now you kidding me? This was pre-cable. <laughs> I want to watch what he stuck with those fucking, What the fuck is Inspector Gadget, I'm stuck Gadget, with Dad? fucking 13 channels, dude. Yeah, what the fuck is this? All right, before we go, before we announce the movie, I think that we uh, we, we miss a tradition here if we don't mention who our WCW and our WWE champions are of the time period of February 1991. I will take the honor of letting everybody know that in February 91, Mr. Sergeant slaughter you don't like that imagine imagine sergeant slaughter in fucking 1991 come on man 1991 so at that time there was no wcw championship i believe it was considered the nwa championship uh, 91 still february of 1991 flair what it's like right on the cusp of when uh, the switch happened isn't it yep yep Yep, and Ric Flair was the champion. Hallelujah. The Lord of Wrestling. Four horsemen running wild, baby. Woo. Yeah, dude. (laughs) That was the saddest woo I've ever. (laughs) I always wish that Mongo McMichael was a better wrestler. (laughs) Mongo McMichael. Yeah, I always wish he was a better wrestler. (laughs) I don't think anybody else will ever say that besides you. Well, I like the personality. I like the look. I like the whole deal. And I think he was perfect with like that generation of the four horsemen. And he just couldn't really wrestle that well. I don't know. He was he was okay. He wasn't he wasn't really that good. Now the original four horsemen, man. I don't know. When Flair is fucking all pumped up, fucking getting nuts. More of a Benoit four horseman, if you ask me. <laughs> you like you like that? that was yeah. The- <laughs> I mean, we like can that? all agree that that's the, the best four horsemen out there. And they added a bunch oh, more people because that makes fucking sense. Always. Always. Oh, man. So this week we watched the 1991 Dan Aykroyd, uh, I guess, uh, classic now, cult classic. Fuck classic. Nothing but trouble. I love this movie. I'm going to say it right now so you know it's going to be a biased opinion on my behalf, Same. but it, it kind of always is. Uh, this has been a movie I've watched since I was a kid. This has been on cable since I was a kid. I feel like I don't remember this ever actually being in a movie theater. I just remember it in the video store and I remember it just being on TV, right? The uh, Yeah, this is something that just like you... From I can't remember a time period in my life that I don't remember this movie. My uh, my father showed it to me when we were young, and it's one of his all time favorites. To this day, he will uh, quote the scene where he falls in the moat full of shit, and he goes, "It smells like Chupalo." And he always fucking says that to me every fucking time <laughs> we have a situation that it applies. I can guarantee you, my dad is gonna say that to me, and I, I fucking love it. That's so funny. <laughs> Special place for me, this movie. I, 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 I would watch this over and over again without question. I feel like this movie 
is kind of in a weird spot too for a mainstream big studio film right this was made on a budget of 40 million dollars so this was not by any means some independent little project this had a huge backing to it 40 right fucking million I, dude i every time i hear that it blows my mind how that kind of money can be spent on a movie it, it, it shit's wild to me you know it's really wild that it only made eight and a half million <laughs> ouch it's the studio's fault we'll get into it that is that is crazy uh you may know that this was directed by dan Aykroyd, but did you know that it was written by him and his brother peter Aykroyd? interesting i did know that and he plays a few he plays a few roles in the movie too i think he's like the doorman and he plays something his else brother does i didn't point. know that that's cool as yeah fuck. yeah yeah um most of this was shot in california at the warner brothers lot some of the external second unit shots were done in pennsylvania and i really think they did a good job making that lot look like it's in the middle of you know the middle of nowhere coal country pennsylvania it does right? look like that they used like what was it an old western lot from uh warner brothers studios from like uh from the old like television shows and shit and they paved the road and everything and it looks completely different and it, it really does look like a small town that you would drive through in coal country i've driven through those towns plenty of times to know one when i see one and that definitely feels like one anthony and i played one actually years ago like an actual like coal town well, like a little dive bar it was it was like a venue like a like a ymca type like youth yeah. venue <laughs> i love those and it was a legitimate like dying city like a dying town it was really weird real like it was okay really now tell weird. me did, did the fucking scene kick ass or was it completely dead it, it was uh stand oh man because a lot of times it's, it's 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 one or the other i mean it's like that everywhere but sometimes you'll play a show and these like podunk little towns that you're like man this is gonna be a fucking bummer and you set up and you play and these kids are fucking going harder than any city you will play in any major town oh, and you're like holy fuck dude this town kicks ass we used to play a place uh where the hell was it i don't remember the town but it was called brendan jerry's and it was in pennsylvania and they tried, but they paid us in pizza. I think once, Deal. which was uh, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, uh, was it we good weren't pizza too happy or was about it bad? that. Uh, it was bad. Yeah, it's yeah, Pennsylvania no pizza, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like the scene kids, the scene kids, quote unquote, not like you know <laughs> emo scene kid, like, yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, yeah. The the kids that came out for the show, they were like super into it, and apparently, like every week they came to the shows. It was that. nuts. Same thing. You ever hear or do you remember the Bronx Underground? Like they used to do shows and it was always no matter what, no matter who was playing, it would be fucking packed. We had shit like that too here where uh the Temple Betham shows, like there was no matter who played, it didn't matter, it was packed. And they let Anthony and I uh play once, our band. Just once. And they said, Never again. Never again. <laughs> how you know it was a good Fucking show hell yeah <laughs> yeah hey I've, i i sent you the track man i told you we were legit <laughs> we were young too 
impressive for that age. You gotta admit, man. Young and riffing. While most kids are playing fucking, yeah, while most kids were playing like fucking power chords and stuff, dude, we were we were ripping, bro. 220. <laughs> 220 BPM, hook it up. <laughs> Let's do it. Fucking scream core. This movie has a pretty extensive cast too, right? It's a lot of people that you would recognize from a lot of big 80s movies, right? Uh, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, God rest his soul, Demi Moore, uh, Chris Rock, I think I spotted at the end as a cop. Was he one of the troopers, dude? I swear really? to Come God, on. it was if he, him. If he is, I don't think he's credit. I swear to God. I gotta look it up. I swear no. to God, it has to be him. It's one of the guys, like, he doesn't speak. He, like, just laughs at the end. But, like, the, he's a featured, like, in a featured shot. It's just him and, like, maybe another guy or two. And it has to be him. It. it looks exactly like him. And, you know, it would make sense at that time. He was still, like, you know... A, a bit part person right he was an actor at that time yeah still. really not yeah he would be i mean still just up and coming at that point we also have the digital underground in this movie with tupac tupac shaker tupac shaker is that right. how you say it tupac shaker tupac shaker in this <laughs> and of course you have the uh horrible human being chevy chase yeah what a piece of human filth what a bunghole <laughs> And apparently this movie was based on a real experience that Dan Aykroyd had where he was pulled over and he had to go see like this judge in some, you know, middle of nowhere town in the middle of the night. And this inspired him to write this wonderful film that for some reason people didn't appreciate when it came out. I don't get it. It has all the all the tropes to make a great uh, movie to me, at least. Shit. I mean, but I guess for 40 million, you know, I, I, dude, I mean. Like you said, the cast alone, the fact that Demi Moore is coming off of making the movie Ghost, which was fucking huge. One of the biggest grossing movies of the early 90s. So, I mean, that name draw alone, you would think this was automatically going to pull a 10 mil just off of opening weekend. Because that was like, you know, kind of to be expected when you have this kind of cast power at that time period. I mean, granted, it, it was delayed. It was supposed to be a Christmas release, I guess. And I can't imagine it. You know, there was nothing about this that's Christmassy in any sense. So I guess that really wouldn't make or break the release date. But still, I can't imagine that little bit of like a pushback being that detrimental and nobody going to see nothing but trouble with this cast. It's fucking crazy. Paprika was another movie that was released on the same date, or at least the day before. Paprika? The week before that? The, the week before that? LA Story? Silence of the Lambs. There's the uh, the silver bullet. Ooh. That's tough because that's probably one of the best movies ever made, in, in my opinion. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, King Ralph, February 15th. Yeah, I, I really, you know, popcorn, February 1st. Meet the Applegates, February first. I don't really, I don't really see anything that's out of all those things though. Nothing, nothing compares. Yeah, nothing really looks like it would fucking destroy it. I don't know. I guess people just weren't ready for this movie. They weren't ready for Dan Aykroyd, right? His his genius. That is nothing but trouble. Exactly. And on that note, let's hit the trailer. Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd. John Candy and Demi Moore are in nothing but trouble. What is this place? You look pretty this evening, sister. Doing something different with your hair? All they wanted was a little getaway. You make this surprise. 
No, I'm not in front of all these people. Now, all they got was... How about a nice Hawaiian puck? Nothing but trouble. Rated PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. Okay, so nothing but trouble. Uh, like I said, a childhood favorite of mine, so I guess I'll do a synopsis this week, right? Let's, uh, let's see. A group of travelers headed to Atlantic City end up going against a corrupt mayor slash... Is he the mayor? Slash judge slash justice judge. of the fucking peace slash executioners. Uh, Edge jury. Everything. <laughs> uh, and his mutant family. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Tag team effort. So, I, yeah, I don't know where where I saw this or who said it, but they, whoever said it said that it was like a cross between Beetlejuice and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Perfect. And I think that's like a perfect fucking uh explanation of this movie from what i right? understand that's what dan Aykroyd said he was going for that's where that quote comes from is that he said it, it was dan yeah Aykroyd. It, he okay, wanted it to be go. a cross between beetlejuice and texas chainsaw and i i that's so charming how adorable one thing about this movie which is actually pretty crazy because usually when this happens the movie's fucking terrible but this is a, an extremely unlikable cast, right? They're all kind of obnoxious, everybody. Yeah, and it's it's a weird this 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 has a weird vibe. This cast, I will say that, and they are kind of obnoxious. We have Chevy Chase as Chris Thorne. We have Dan Aykroyd as uh, Judge Alvin J. P. Valkenheiser. He also plays, yeah, he also plays Bobo, <laughs> one of the giant man My babies. Soulmate. John Candy playing Dennis and Eldona, another dual role. Demi Moore as Diane Lightson and uh, Taylor Negron as Fausto School. Uh, I like how even Dan Aykroyd makes a joke about this last name. Uh, Square Initsu. Is that is that it? Uh, dude from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, That's right? The one. Yeah, my man. I like him. He's a good actor. Uh, very uh, eclectic cast, right? Little little bit of, of everybody here. <laughs> okay, so rewind to 1985, and you put you know most of this cast together, and this is a fucking blockbuster hit all day. There's nobody on the planet that wouldn't have seen this. Dude, that's what I was saying. Like, yo, if this was a lower budget film. And it was done kind of shitty, but it came out in 1985. Everybody would be fucking all over this Yo, movie. I don't even think you'd 100%. have to do a lower budget. I think if you take the exact movie that exists right here, you drop it in 1986 even, and it's a fucking hit. All these names are a huge draw. They're all coming out of huge movies. You're going to make a ton of money with this movie. I think that's probably what Warner Brothers was banking on. I agree with that 100%. And I really couldn't foresee this. Like, who would have ever thought that this movie would have been a flop? Dude. Right? I mean, it's a flop, but not in my eyes. It's it's a gem. The, the cast of this movie, everybody is like an A-lister. Right? Chevy Chase is pretty much phoning it in. He's he's like really you could tell he doesn't give a fuck while they're you couldn't you know, really doing you can't even recall here. whatever he's doing in this movie acting he he's just saying his lines he's he's basically playing a shitty 
unenthused Clark Griswold, right? You know what's f- okay? As 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 we say this though, it kind of works for his character. I don't know if you feel that way or not, but like it it kind of reads right for the person that he's portraying in the film. So I guess I don't notice it as much in this as I guess I would in another film that he doesn't give a fuck about. But what's like so weird is in the beginning when he first comes to his apartment building he's talking to like the door guy and he the door guy's like oh thanks for the advice like the stocks are up like five points and he's like oh you want some more advice like sell them and like he was giving legitimate advice to this guy like he was friendly with him you know what i mean so like he doesn't come across as a dick there like as soon as he leaves New York City, he just turns into a different person. I will agree there. I think that's probably when he started not giving a fuck about <laughs> like the actual movie itself. But man, they spend so much time in the beginning of this movie in New York City that really I don't think it adds much to the story at all. It, it doesn't. They spend so much time trying to get us to like you know have a relationship with these characters that I think is pretty much unneeded. You like the uh, Lucio Fulci type deal where they're in New York for like the first five minutes of the movie, and then all of a sudden it's wherever the hell they were Just going. Establish, you know, yeah, fucking- establish their their fucking urbanites, and they're on the road. You know, I don't have to know, you know, twenty minutes of bullshit. They're yuppies, bro. Yeah, them being yuppies. at parties. I don't need to know all that bullshit. I think it's just a lot of, uh, I don't know. It, it, honestly, like that could have been any fucking movie from 1990. That could have been a love story that, that takes off from that point, you know? So I think that it's just, I don't know. Move on. Well, well, from like, to be perfectly honest about it, Chevy Chase's character didn't have to be some fucking millionaire. That had nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with the story at all. Right. And that's what I'm saying. There's just you know what so I mean? much of that. He could have just he could have just worked at a bank. He's a banker. Not he didn't yeah, he didn't necessarily have to be this millionaire corporate fucking newsletter guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Because later it's in like the movie the, or whatever. The judge is is pissed that he's a banker. He never mentions you're a millionaire banker. You're a stock trading millionaire. It's it's just that he's a fucking banker. He could have been uh, he could have done your taxes, you know, every fucking year. That, well, he even says like, oh, I'm like a, I'm an analyst, whatever. And he's like, you're a banker. Yeah, you're a fucking banker. Dude. He even says that. He says banker. Yeah. Fuck out of here. Which I fucking love. And you know, it's, you know, it's something that they fucked up and I really wish they should have written it this way. And this is just me like nitpicking, you know, Monday morning quarterback. They have a line in the movie that. Uh, Chevy Chase says like oh yeah my uh, grandfather worked in coal commodities in the 30s they should have had Chevy Chase's grandfather be the guy that fucked over his fucking that'd grandfather that would have been a great tie in you know yeah, what I mean like, been, uh, maybe they were implying that no because his he says he got sent to World War 1 the timelines uh, don't match up the timeline wouldn't have matched up for Chevy Chase's grandfather being there uh, World War 1 ended like in the fucking uh, in like the teens, the teens, you know what baby. I mean? In the late teens, like 1918. So we're all in, so, uh, we're all in New York city here. And so from there, we're basically taking, uh, our character, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore, which are our two, our two leads and they're, they're fun, festive friends, Fausto and Ronaldo. And they're off to Atlantic city. Like Mike had said here. And I think there's a great scene that comes up. Uh, do you like this car chase scene? Where they're getting pulled over 
by the John Candy character who's now like he's a cop basically what's uh his name's Dennis officer Dennis and I think it's such a cool like they're in this fucking gravel pit and it just feels like Pennsylvania when they're going through all those like mines and shit like that I fucking love that scene I feel like that whole thing though it just there was there was no point so you don't even think that stuff's necessary to get to the meat of this yeah, like there is no point of that at all. See, I think there is though, because that's that that's what brings them to the to the judge is the the traffic violation that this all leads to, right? I mean, without the, the car chase and John Candy pulling them over, they're not going to see Valkenheimer Heiser. That's true, though. Uh, I also do kind of like that. That's how we first meet John Candy. Right? Like, it's pretty funny how you, he's like a totally straight fucking cop. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, dude. He's playing it, like, by the book, like, no jokes and stuff like that. Because Chevy Chase is trying to be, like, a funny, you know, rich guy making jokes with him. And, and Candy's not having it at all. And he's, you know, you got to follow me to go see the Justice of the Peace. And, and that's when we first see probably one of the coolest fucking sets in movie history. What do you say? That whole, like fucking setup that they have where it looks like a junkyard with the giant old house just oh my god it reminds me of like literally something from a nightmare in elm yeah, street movie or something right and it's funny that you say it, that it, it feels exactly the same to me and it, it's funny that you mentioned the nightmare in elm street connection because one of the effects designers of this movie worked on a nightmare on elm street the original film so it it has that weird tie-in and it does this feels like it could be like a, a boiler room set you know it, it's very grimy and it, it fits perfectly for the atmosphere that they're trying to set up here for us i agree i agree it does have that like real dirty old uh feel to it right if you ever go through like that section of Pennsylvania, like you have all the old houses, right? The old farmhouses and stuff like that. See a lot of old cars and like abandoned things. And they really do make it like a caricature of that. Right. It's an exaggerated version of, of reality that you will see in those areas. That, that's a cool way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, it's re- I I fucking love it. I think that was such a great idea, and I think the money was well spent. Uh, now, is this movie really even considered like a horror comedy? Is it a comedy, a dark comedy? What would you say? I I think that it's definitely a dark comedy. It it has horror elements. I don't think it pushes too far. Uh, into the horror genre i think this this fits like i think even last week when we covered bad taste that that's more of a of a horror comedy whereas this is more of just like a dark comedy in my opinion i agree with you uh there are some things that i guess if they went a little further with it would have turned it into a horror film right like if you saw people actually getting killed by that fucking machine by the uh what do they call it like the bone oh, the separator bone or whatever the bone stripper it even has thing. like a theme song uh if they showed that that would make it a little bit more fucked up i feel like this rides the same line as freaked does yeah that's a good call 
this definitely has the same freak you know what vibe. I mean yeah like I think these movies are kind of like you can watch them back to back and they give off the same type of impression so the bone stripper so basically for you who have, for those who have not seen this movie these people who get brought to the justice of the peace Valkenheiser's place where he is now going to uh, you know basically read your case to you he's going to be the judge and the jury on it and he's going to tell you your sentence and nine times out of ten your sentence is going to be sent to the bone stripper where it's like this madhouse roller coaster that uh, sends you basically to your death and it's led to believe that you're being processed for for food I guess is what the uh, the overall idea is I like he's like oh old stadium dogs just like they had before night games <laughs> he's shaking it and it's like fucking flopping in his face <laughs> Uh, when he's eating it, he's like, so good. Oh my god, he's great as that character. I like the little train going around with the condiments on it, right? And so like, now that we have all of our characters there in this this fucking judge's house, because John Candy has brought them there, you come to realize that they are now stuck in what is a madhouse. It's a booby trapped, laced, fucking insanity ridden straight out of Rob Zombie's wet fucking dream madhouse. I think that this uh, is probably the best movie when it comes to booby traps. I think anything else pales in comparison. Your Home Alones, all that shit. Nothing is as fun as Nothing But Trouble. Nothing But Trouble is like that board game, 13 Dead End Drive, but a movie. Oh, yeah. That's a right? yeah, that's such a fun game. I haven't played that in forever, dude. That's great. It takes so long to it fucking does. You better have set an that thing up, ready. but when you do it's worth it man i really still i'm still after the nightmare and elm street board game if you own that oh, you wow. don't need it send that to me please That's hit cool. me up on uh instagram bad taste video i really want to play my that game. The, the thrift stores it's got to pop up sometimes i always i've been looking for years dude it. i just don't want to pay the fucking 60 bucks for Ouch. it or whatever i'm cheap sometimes Come on. it's not that much but you know sometimes i'm cheap you know <laughs> so you said it's one of the best like move or the best movie when it comes to house houses and booby Boobies. traps and shit what are some others that you think uh maybe come close to this because i feel like this is a a very underexploited genre film so much so right oh i wish there was more of these you're absolutely right i don't think there's a lot that are in the same the same realm as nothing but trouble but there's definitely some fun ones. Um, I think of obviously all like the, the later Saw movies have that like booby trap, but that's more of an extreme element to it. Um, uh huh. I, I think the go-to people are going to mention is is Home Alone. That's like your uh-huh. typical booby-trapped house kind of movie. Um, one of my favorite booby trap movies is Goonies. Tons of cool fucking little booby traps and stuff. Little like that's not a booby trap. It's movie. not a that's booby a trap house trap movie, movie. But dude, there's tons of booby it's a booty traps. Trap movie, in that. Dude. I, booty trap. It's a booby trap movie. I mean, come on, booty traps. Booty. Oh, very <laughs> yes, very nice. <laughs> but I mean, there, what do you uh, think? There's not that many, like you said. What could be? Hell yeah. What could be considered? Uh, well. Dude, you missed one from the same year as Nothing But Trouble. Uh, the People Under the Stairs. You know, it's a booby never trap house movie, dude. About that one, that is absolutely right. Booyah. That is a great choice. I, right, right now, if I could, I would call you on my fucking big ass cordless phone and go. Wow. <laughs> 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 Just to rub it in right now. How'd you not think of that, dude? 
that's another thing you know how you were saying about uh don't be a menace whenever i hear that i don't think of the budweiser shit i think of fucking scary scary movie movie yeah with with the the voice the ghost face doing it you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i think that's like the most iconic fucking thing ever yeah that they fucking they knew what's up so like i thought about a really I, I don't know if you could consider it a booby trap movie or not. I guess if you you shit on my my Goonies because you called it a booty trap movie, but I I think Strangeland could kind of fit into this, uh, you know, weird booby trap or just kind of like trapped in isolation kind of a thing. One of my favorite movies, D. Snyder did, and and that's such a fun fucking movie. Strangeland, definitely check that out. That movie is weird as hell. I love it. Uh, yeah go watch that now in 2020 it's heavy you're gonna be like what the fuck did i I just watch d snyder's a weird guy but like i said like the the booby trap wacky house type shit it's it's super what about like the burbs see this movie i feel like this is probably one of the most comparable movies that you just mentioned right there i feel like this has the same vibe the same humor sensibility. Uh, I have the same uh, love and adoration for both of these movies. So I- I'm right on page with the Burbs being an equal kind of sensibility. Not so much a booby trap movie, but there's a little bit of hijinks and booby traps in that as well. Yeah. And it's like ringing the doorbell of horror. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Like it's not quite in the house, just ringing the doorbell. There go the goddamn brownies. The burbs is- <laughs> The best line ever from that fucking movie. (laughs) Little Corey Feldman, right? Little Corey Feldman action. Damn. I always love seeing things like that, right? He's good. And I always have to say, the guy guy that plays the uncle or whatever did the voiceovers for House by the Cemetery. I can't do that. Blows my mind. House by the Cemetery. I love that. I love love finding out like stupid shit like that. Just connections. Like I found out. Like, I found out that, like, Tupac was in this movie way later on. Yeah, this is, like, before you know what he I mean? did like, Juice, too, which is, like, his big fame, you know, his hit to acting. This is his first yeah, movie. Yeah, this is the first no, this one. Is, this is his first. Yeah. And he is listed as Tupac Shakur, and he's with Digital um, uh, and he's with Digital Underground, doing and they're doing the fucking Humpty, Humpty dance. dance. That's right, baby. Uh, that is the jam. I'll still put that on and fucking rock out. Do me, baby. <laughs> yeah, dude, that movie's still good. That uh, it, what a random cameo to have in this, you know. And I guess movie, it's just right? because like Aykroyd had a friend in the music business who was like a producer or a manager of Digital Underground, so that's just kind of how it all worked out. And from what I understand, they like had to do the music scene a fucking ton of times to the point where like yeah. Digital Underground was just like this is this is enough for us. But this ain't fun. But anymore. fucking Aykroyd was yeah, like jamming the whole time and loving it. I, I just yeah, dude, he's, he's like such a fun fucking dude. How can you hate Dan Aykroyd? So basically, you have Chevy Chase and his group of people. They get brought in by the cop by John Candy, and they have to stay overnight. And while they're there, they go, "Oh, we got another group of speeders. They were in a hearse." And Dan Aykroyd has a really funny line there as the judge. He says, "If you're an in, if you're in an ambulance, at least you got a chance." If you're in a hearse, it could only be. It's probably worse. <laughs> yeah. He says something. Yeah, he says something there's, to that effect. So many it's so funny like the that. way he says it. He has so many little lines like that that just crack me up. Actually, everybody does. Even John Candy as the sheriff. When we get a, a nice 
fucking cameo by Billy Baldwin oh, in man, this movie. That's great. As like a coked up fucking like Italian, <laughs> right? With like yeah, with two women in the car, they get pulled over and he pulls a gun on John Candy and he's like, Say good night, cop, or whatever. And John Candy's like, Oh no, please don't and he pulls out like his gun. Hurt and he like it says it with like a really straight face. Like, oh, please don't hurt Dude, me. Dude, yeah, deadpans the shit. fuck out of it. It's hilarious. And it's so the delivery is so good. John Candy was a genius. It's so good. John Candy was so good. I, I it's such a shame that he he fucking he died. So like Jesus. They have all of these uh they have the four of these, you know, speeders that were going to Atlantic City, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore and them. Uh, and they, like Mike just said, they have to stay the night because they're, you know, the verdict's not in yet on what's going to happen with these bankers and shit. And uh, they are all invited to dinner because you got to feed your prisoners, of course. And they gather around this giant table and it's covered in like the weirdest little like knickknacks and shit. And there's a train that has like condiments that comes up and travels around to like give you your fucking different things. And that's where we see John Candy's second character. Enter the uh, the scene, Eldana, and is it weird that like I kind of was sexually attracted to her as a young child? I kind of felt weird about her. <laughs> is that saying something about what? me? I don't know, dude. Wait, say that again, I, dude. I don't know. Eldana did it for me when I was like, you know, like just coming coming into my own, and I'm experiencing what women are. She was big and beautiful. You John Candy was a. I know yeah, she was John a man Candy. now, dude. I'm just saying when I was younger and I didn't understand these things. Never mind. Let's just, we're gonna edit that out. Let's <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in, baby. John Candy and Dan Aykroyd both do a great job playing multiple characters here. Like Dan Aykroyd Geniuses. as the judge is one of his best characters, I think, ever. And then even him playing fucking what Bobo? Yeah, one of these dumb twins. Right? Oh man, yeah. No, no, he's he's little devil, I think. Oh, is that uh, who is? Uh, no, Dan Aykroyd plays. Which Bobo. one is Dan? Dan Aykroyd plays yeah, Bobo. Okay, yeah. you can't you can't even tell it's him. Oh yeah, no way. You can't even tell it's him. And I love and, that. Okay, like, and, and I love that he plays this character. He plays both of these characters that require like heavy makeup, but he's also the director. So I can just like picture them on set, like him in this giant fucking naked, fat, gross baby outfit, like trying to tell people what to do in a scene and shit like that. And trying to be taken seriously dressed like that. It's just fucking hilarious. Apparently everybody was behind him, man. So I guess it didn't really matter. Everybody but fucking Chevy Chase. I like those two characters because Demi Moore's character ends up in the junkyard and she sees these two like adult sized babies that are like kind of slow. Right. And she ends up like basically becoming friends with them. And these characters are just so funny. Right. They're like sort of stupid, but not right. Yeah, And they're not like as evil spirited as the rest of the family, not even the rest of the family, but I guess just like the judge. Cause because John Candy's very has a heart in this movie for sure. His character does, but they're very innocent. I guess is the way they they are childlike in how they treat yeah. uh, um, the Diane character. And let me just say, Demi Moore in the junkyard crawling around in the dirt in the white dress. Whoo, very nice. <laughs> you are a Rob Zombie fan, man. <laughs> Shit. But yeah, I even the the two twins, they even say like, oh, we wish we were fucking tying him down to this thing. 
we hate him, right? Oh, yeah. They even say that like over and over. Like, oh, he hates us. He treats us like dogs. I I really it's a great character think that they're actually there. the only they may be the only likable characters besides John Candy in this whole movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Because even John Candy says to the judge, he's like, I this is bullshit. Like they they just were it's like a stupid thing. Like they should just be ticketed and let go. Yeah, he, he's and, very against the the way that the judge runs things in their town. He's not with it at all. Yeah, and he ends up actually going with uh, the Brazilian couple, <laughs> yeah. who are with Dan, uh, who are with Chevy Chase and Demi Moore, and he becomes their head of security at the end, which is really funny that he leaves this fucking this place. Yeah, while well, like Diane is like dealing with the twins and shit, and you know they're trying to get out of the house. The uh, the other, like you said, the Brazilian, they're actually brother and sister. They're not, uh, they're not a, a couple. That's incestual, Mike. They're brother oh, and sister. <laughs> they they escape through a window and they and they run out. And this is the scene that I had mentioned before, where there's this giant moat surrounding the property, and they fucking jump into this moat and it's full it's like of shit. shit. Right? Yeah, and they're just like, and she's crying and she's like. I you make she me do smells, this it's so fucking it smells like rio or whatever yeah, dude, it's say, the right? funniest fucking thing and, and of course you know the john candy character is waiting for them and they strike the deal and shit it's just it's so good there's so much about this movie that i love now did you expect john candy's character to actually go through with the deal no i, I actually i i thought my you know honestly when i watched this and could actually start processing it because I watched it a bunch before I actually could really understand what the story was. I definitely would think that that character was going to, you know, be a heel and and stay with the family and turn, turn them right? back in. There's another uh, police Face officer, Miss Miss Perda, who's a real fucking bitch, and she's not having any fucking fun. And you know, I thought he was basically going to be that kind of character there, but you know, he everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. Yeah, the billion dollar yeah, right. man and woman. <laughs> the Brazilian heirs as Chevy like Chase. That. What's his name in this fucking movie? Chris. Chris Thorne. Chris. Chris Thorne. Motherfucker. He sucks. Fucking dick. Speaking of what uh, dick he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I really think that the, uh, the, the twins... John Candy and that's about it are the only innocent people in this whole movie. Actually, no. And the Brazilians are pretty innocent too. They're just annoying. I think they're they're innocent. No, no, never mind. Because they, they tell him to try to run from the cops. Exactly. They and they are also selfish in the sense that they they don't do anything to try to help. They just the leave. friends once they're free. They don't they don't try to make a deal they to help go bad. They're see ya out. See ya. Peace. That's what you're gonna do to me one day. Later, I know it. As soon as I make a first just, million, I'm out. Uh, I fucking know it. God damn it! Just waiting for one of those heads. <laughs> oh yeah, my yeah. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. What do you think about the idea of this whole like backwoods judge thing, where this whole plot is based on a true event, and I feel like it's not used enough in even horror films. Yeah, where like not only is the law like you don't trust the law to begin with but they're actively against you you know what i mean and these people like are actual criminals and killers and they're coming for you 
You know, it, it, it does add a uniqueness to this because, like you said, it's not something that's been done a bunch. And it could, it's, it's, it, there, that's two really unique aspects about this is a booby trap movie and this premise of an, uh, a corrupt vigilante justice of the peace who has his own police force uh, running his own town where he's basically killing and, you know, being implied that he's eating people. It's an extremely unique idea that I think on their own, each one of those could spawn a hundred different ideas and it blows my mind that it hasn't because like you said what great fodder for for different things to come from that you could you could go in a million different directions yeah because there's you know the comedy route that they went here you could go the serious, serious like deliverance yeah. type thing i would love to see that because even like think about how funny it is in uh another chevy chase movie national lampoon's vacation when he goes to the mechanic to get his car fixed and he's like, I, like I'm going to call the police or whatever. And he pulls out the fucking badge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the crooked mechanic is the fucking sheriff yeah, I too. Love that. Like that's what, you know, that's what this reminds me of where it's like, there's nowhere to go. There is a touch right, of that fucked. kind of comedy. I feel in this movie that, that national geograph or uh, national lampoons uh, comedy style. Yeah. They definitely tried to, to use like that Chevy Chase type thing because even the way the dialogue is uh, delivered be it intentionally or that was just Chevy Chase phoning it in right you know but I definitely see him trying to be the Clark Griswold type character especially since I just watched a bunch of them over uh, the Christmas holiday oh yeah so they're fresh tradition. in my mind and that's Christmas like vacation, the baby. yeah that's that's like the immediate uh, thing that I got out of that was that it was very Clark Griswold, but shitty and uninspired. Last we saw was, you know, Diane and, and Chevy being stuck in different areas of this crazy madhouse and the Brazilians have gotten away and they needed a way to kind of like wrap all this up. And I feel like the ending of this movie is a little convoluted. It's a little bit confusing. Uh, what's your your final thoughts on, you know, how this movie wraps up? I think it could have ended, uh, you know, right when the place exploded. So Diane and Chris go back to the uh, the mansion or whatever, the junkyard, yeah, the junkyard mansion. with the police, right? And the DA, they go knock on the door and what do they find out? A real, a real twist here. Uh, the state police are also friends with Alvin, right? Everybody's in. So, it. yeah. So you're fucked now, right? And I like the fact that this place kind of like explodes and they're able to escape and the place implodes. And, I, you know, the only thing I don't like is Chevy Chase going through the wall. I hate that. Like a cartoon. I hate that. And I think they could have even did without him like showing the fucking, uh, what's it called? The driver's license on TV. Like you didn't need him. You didn't need that little stinger at the yep. end. Unnecessary. But I I think if it would have just ended at the junkyard, it would have been fine. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, the ending being wrapped up where they bring the uh, the local authorities back, you find out the local authorities are now in on it. You do the fake ending there where you think everybody, you know, the, the the bad guys have won the day. 
there's the big plot twist. There's a, you know, the fucking fire under the house. The whole place explodes. Roll credits. I think that's a great ending to the movie. I think the other stuff is just kind of added on tacky bullshit to to give it a happier yeah. ending, I guess. I don't know. But, dude, that, yeah. the fucking Chevy Chase through the wall. Too much. just too far. Too dumb. Too much. This movie has a lot of gags, a lot of fun, you know, peewee playhouse type of or you know like uh what is uh those uh those machines that you know like a rube goldberg yeah a lot of that kind of gags and stuff like that thanks i couldn't fucking think of that weirdo's name <laughs> um but I, I think that just takes it to too far cartoony when they did that shit i agree and i think it's time for the meat grinder the meat grinder All right, so it is the first meat grinder of 2021, and I feel like we need to start this off with a bang. So Grizz and I and Anthony, so Grizz, Anthony, and I all decided that maybe we would uh, go back to our metal roots, right, for the intro to the podcast. So I said, well... Why don't I just uh why don't, why don't I give this a shot? Let's see if I if if Papa Mike still still cracks got the it. knuckles. Exactly. <laughs> so this I present to you will be the uh the new intro that we use from now on. I'm 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 pretty pumped on this. Like, man garbage throw it in the garbage <laughs> that shit is in the trash. fucking badass dude hell Rock yeah and roll. we're the real ones <laughs> we're the real ones out here all right we're the most metal vhs podcast out bullshit there. yeah you get stabbed in the neck with a bottle come come at us <laughs> let's do it let's do it so the making of this movie has a, a pretty uh, in-depth story, which we're not going to get into the whole thing because I'm telling you, there's like literal documentaries about this yeah, shit. Somebody made nuts. a book about it, I think, right? Like everything. Um, it's pretty interesting, though, that this was the only movie directed by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, first and right? only movie directed by Dan Aykroyd. Uh, I guess, like you said, him and his brother uh, were writing it. And him and some his brother and some friends were actually out to see the movie Hellraiser. And when everybody in the theater was laughing at Hellraiser gags, they realized, man, we, we should make a movie that's funny that's also a horror movie. And hence, 
you know, this was born. Obviously, it was not the name it was now. It went through many different, you know, re- rebirthing Kit of names. But was one Road to Ruin? Yeah, Road to Ruin. That's off the top of my head. I think that was one of the. I think that was the uh, first uh, name of it. Actually, was Road to Ruin. Uh, but it went through many different genesis of different names and stuff. Uh, but, Vulcanvania. But I love the uh, the Hellraiser connection. That without uh, Clive Barker, there would be no nothing but trouble. That's that's great. Yeah, and it's pretty amazing that they gave Dan Aykroyd, uh, you know, the okay to direct it. Also, like, okay, here's all the money. Oh, you never directed anything. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. I guess I didn't. I guess you could do it too, right? I mean, he he had shipped it to, or he had shopped it around. Um, he gave it to John Hughes. He gave it to John Landis, two huge directors of the '80s, and both of them really wanted nothing to do with it. And that's when Warner Brothers picked it up and they were like, we want a movie with John Candy. You don't have a director? Cool. You fucking direct it. And that's yeah. pretty much how, how they got it made. And that's that's pretty wild to think that someone was just going to hand over $40 million and be like, eh, I don't care. I want this guy in a movie, so make also, one. But also, like, with him directing, then you have all these other bigger people that want to work with him come in also. True. You know what I mean? So it really did work out in the studio's advantage coming when it comes to that, but it didn't end up paying off. Not everything does, you know, just cause it looks good on paper. Doesn't mean it's going to be financially successful. Look how many times things flop when they just poured money into it. Oh, completely. It's the way it is. And like you said, because of kind of, I think, you know, who he was and the connections he had, uh, you know, he was able to pull in such people like Sandell and this dude who, who did the set design, absolutely amazing and i mean he was coming off of movies like i had mentioned uh um nightmare on elm street so he did a lot of the effects for that uh total recall robocop and and, and you see legit this yeah this, this dude's the real fucking deal and you can you can see in the set design that this was not pasted together bullshit everything that you see no, in real. this movie is 100 real the only thing that's faked is the giant pan shot of the property. There's a giant, you know, matte painting they use for that. But the entire lot, all the junk, all the cars, all the toasters, all the washing machines that you see in this junkyard, they fucking real. Brought they there. bought it off some guy. Yeah, some, yeah, they got it from some dude. Some farmer in Nebraska. <laughs> some real life Judge Valkenheiser. They were able to find and they were able to create this at my hat's Insane. off to them. It's beautiful. One of my favorite sets of all time right here. This and the inside of the uh, hotel from Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Oh, that's a great set. I really dude. enjoy the... Uh, Demon Knight's so fucking For some underrated. reason, like that whole set, the way like the kitchen is, the floor, everything. So good, man. So, that's one of the best movies. Demon Knight or Bordello, which is which is your go-to. Demon yeah, Knight, dude. Get, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Demon Knight. All day. But do you like Bordello? I never watch Bordello of Blood. No. No? No. I feel like it doesn't have the same intensity as Demon Knight did. Demon Knight was like the perfect mix of like the weird comedy with um, Billy Zane as like the devil or the demon. He's just the demon, actually. Um, but like, to me, the way that he delivers all his lines really makes that movie cool. Oh, Billy Zane's and fucking mad. everything else. Yeah, like everything else together just makes it like the perfect 90s low budget horror movie. And I feel like it should be 
really higher up on a lot of people's movie be. lists because it's fucking great. Rewatch that now and you'll be like, holy shit, I don't remember this being so good. Yeah, I love Demon Knight, but I, I do say I, I have a love for Bordello of Blood as well. I remember being like 11 years old and renting that with my... More Corey Feldman. remember uh, renting that with my, my sister and my mom and we'd go back and I had to awkwardly watch that movie on the couch with them with a pillow on my lap because I didn't know how to fucking feel about it. <laughs> Off the top of my head, the best moment from that movie is the guitar with like the mirror. Oh, yeah. Right? Isn't so there like good. a mirror? It's like a cross mirror, yeah, a right? Cross mirror. I need that. You should, dude. I, I need that. You rocking that shit. Hell yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm, a, I'm rocking for the <laughs> Lord, right? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, but even the makeup design for this movie is great. The. The whole fucking Judge Valken... How do you say it? Valkenheiser? Valkenheiser? Yeah, Valkenheiser. The makeup is great. When he takes the fucking nose off, the dick nose... First of all, oh. that's a fake nose and it's a dick. Yeah, there's certain angles so when you see his nose. And it, it's a fucking dick. It's hilarious. I saw a theory that said that as the movie goes on, it gets more dick and like, more obvious. Yeah, it does. It 100% yes. does. Yes, and I agree with that 100%. I think that's so funny. Like, what a great little, like, thing to slip into your movie. That's just... When we say he has, like, a dick nose, like, I'm saying it literally looks like a penis. It looks like an old man's, like, (laughs) fucking wrinkled up dick, like, on his face. A hundred percent. Like, no, like, it doesn't, like, it doesn't look like, it's not penis shaped. It looks like a straight up penis on his face. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like, it's not like, it's a dick. There's no way to describe it. It's like a turtled up dick on an old man body. (laughs) That's what you're seeing. And he take, dude, when he's getting ready for bed, he takes it off. And you see, like, his nose, nose like, it's all fucking. So gnarly. One of the gnarly. And like you said, the the makeup is so good. Dude, those, the the baby twins outside, holy shit. They look fucking, those fat suits. the jiggling and the stomach's um, moving. Oh, great. And for 90, that's, dude, such great, great work for 1990. Really, really good. And going back to the judge makeup. You, the camera's right on him. He's front and center, and you cannot see a seam. You can't see anything. It looks great. It really. And they said they it did took great only job an hour to get in and out of the of the makeup for him because he had to be in and out of both the baby outfit and the judge outfit uh, quite often to do That's each insane. one of those. An hour for each of That's that. Insane. That's wild, man. That's fucking great. That's really great work. And it's a shame that we didn't get the R-rated version of this movie. Because that probably has even more special effects and makeup that would have made us, you know, say like, holy shit. Yeah, see. Right? Like, can you imagine like what they would have put in that movie? That's the thing that, and that's like the big mystery is that they, they, they finished this movie and Dan Aykroyd released his director's cut to Warner Brothers and they fucking hated it. I guess it was an R-rated cut that was very cartoonishly gory. It was very over the top. And I'm dying for that. I think that's what this movie is missing so much is just that little bit. Just push it over the. T- you don't got to take it to dead alive territory for me to like it. Imagine they did. I wish. Imagine I, they did I, have that would, type of gore oh, in this movie. I would love it, dude. But just, just take it. Just give me a taste of that in this movie. And I think even that just, just really takes it over the top. If this had dead alive type gore Fuck. in it, would this be your favorite movie? It, 
this already is one of my favorite movies. As bad as people say that it is, it's it's hands down one of my favorite movies of all time. If this had Dead Alive Gore in it, it would be hard to beat this in in many different categories, horror or comedy. This is probably the best. I wonder if that director's cut exists or if the footage is destroyed uh, or what. I wonder if we'll ever get it. I know Dan Aykroyd doesn't like the movie, even though it's like on a cult, you know, status. Yeah. He's not a well, fan of it. I guess after, you know, WB, you know, cut the movie to PG thirteen and re released it, they had uh a premiere that none of the cast went to, Dan didn't go to. Yeah. He wanted nothing to fucking Only do like with the, it. Just like the only like the lower cast yeah, the lo- and like and the, the lower crew, yeah, the crew right? people went and shit like that. So, I mean, he was not in support of what the final product was that WB had made out of his movie, but they love, but the people loved the movie when they showed it, the people really liked it. And, 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 and rightfully so, because I think that even as the cut exists now, it's, it's fucking great that it has its problems. Yes. Chevy chase is a fucking wet log. Yes. But it, has so many redeeming the movie qualities. still works yeah it really does it still works in the context of the movie and how do you like the works. uh the the reverse of the 1999 to 91 here and this is what i'm talking about we had artwork done for a poster for this film that was done by uh uh what was his name um his last name is vallejo he's very famous for doing all the national lampoons uh, artwork the conan barbarian with arnold schwarzenegger that cover Barbarella. I mean, the dude is a movie poster icon, and he drew one of the coolest fucking movie posters for this film that I have ever seen. And what do they do? They say, fuck that poster, and they go with that bullshit 1999 Photoshop looking garbage of putting all the actors' bodies and faces on the cover with some elements of the movie and it ruins the cover of this movie for me i fucking hate it the studio feels like they need to show who's in it to get people to go but i feel by doing that they would have fucked up like i would have used that other artwork because now people may think it's also related to the vacation series absolutely so they might go see it just by because they think they see chevy Chevy chase Chase. yep that artwork uh you know Yep, the artwork and everything, they may think it's connected to that. So you get extra people seeing it just on that. That's smart, dude. Not to not or even the VHS, like why didn't they do it for the VHS tape? I would much rather rent that. If I saw that on the rack, I'm going to Seriously, that shit. everybody take fucking five seconds. Pause this, go to Google, and type in the original artwork for nothing but trouble and look at how beautiful all of this shit is all the little characters, uh, you know, the, the classic almost national lampoonish uh, shot of Chevy Chase in the foreground. It's so beautiful. And I guess in 2011, it was like auctioned off to a private collector. The original piece was. Yeah, somebody bought it. I, dude, yeah. I, if I had money out my ass, I would pay just about anything for that piece of work because it's fucking iconic. And I love this movie. So to have that would, would be something special. Did you happen to see how much it went for? I don't know. I, I would love to fucking find it. I'm going to see if I can find that real quick. That would that would be uh, quite the uh, mantelpiece, I oh guess God, you could say. Right? Imagine having that over your fireplace. Fucking awesome. Now, one thing we didn't speak about before. I mean, we touched on like coal towns and mining towns and stuff. But this movie is actually based on a real place. Not so much like the goings on, but the setting itself. Like 
the uh, the town is kind of on fire yeah. at all times Always. underneath. You know what's going on, and that's going to be Centralia, Pennsylvania. Now, I think there's only like a handful of people still living in that town. They were like forced to leave, right? Is the mine, what is it, the vein caught fire and they couldn't put it out now, yeah, right? Yes, so now the whole entire town of Centralia is basically on fire underground. To this day, you can go there and they have vent holes that they've set up where if you uh, remove the cap, you can see the smoke come out and you can see the fires burning. How wild is that, dude? Shit blows my mind. So, now I'm looking at the map of Pennsylvania, right? And... Um, I have a relative that lives in a town that's pretty close to that, but remember I said Anthony and I played in a town over there? Yeah. Shemokin, Shemokin Pennsylvania. <laughs> that was the town. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny. I used to I, like, I, see I used to drive through there for work and shit, delivering auto parts a bunch. Uh, Shemokin, and there's also like a, a town around there called Willowana. And whenever I was driving oh. around, I was like, yo, these, these, these fucking towns sound like Michael Jackson lyrics oh willowana is shimona it, is it will <laughs> is it willowana an offspring song yeah, probably <laughs> <laughs> they're probably from around that area too oh that's what it was that walla 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 it's all there <laughs> um th- this like setting for a movie is very interesting too because you see the town and it has like the vent holes in the middle and everything. It looks all broken down. It looks like a wild west village. Rightfully so. And <laughs> yeah, I like the fact that it was basically like plundered, like the natural resources were plundered in the in the 30s and left this town like this fucking biohazard, like this super site, right? And dude, that and feels real. Like there's towns that you'll drive through in, in lower New York and in Pennsylvania. And I'm sure it's like that in just about every state in the country where you don't know if the fucking inhabitants are still here or if it's been completely abandoned and you're driving through a ghost town. It's it's just 50-50. The, the boards are on the windows and you don't see a soul around, but there's cars in the parking lots, so... You know what I noticed? Uh, what what state I noticed that the most in? Shout out to my boy Chase in Virginia. Oh, yeah, I I feel like driving through Virginia, all that shit's fucking shuttered up. You go down like was at ninety five, like everything is closed. Damn. American dream, dying proud, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That shit's dead, bro. Shit's long dead. <laughs> yeah, right. That that's that's supposed to be like where I am. Yeah. Right, suburbia. Yeah, we're supposed to be living the dream, Mike. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, why do you think this movie's been buried by the studio? Like, even now, it's still like buried. They haven't tried to, you know, recoup some of the loss years later using the cult classic status of it. You know, yeah, I feel like I guess they bl- might have a bad taste in their mouth from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that might be true in the sense that you know, the, you you dropped forty million on something, you saw an eight million return. Uh, it, it, you would probably put that in the back of your head and try to never think of it again. But you're right that there's a huge market still, I think, for, for this kind of movie. Um, the, the Burbs, 
you know, all these movies like that, even the movie like like a movie like Clue, these classic kind of darker comedies that are are kind of niche and stuff. There's a huge market for them, and for this movie to not even have Absolutely. a, a Blu-ray, are you fucking kidding me? This deserves a the blue treatment, if anything does. I agree. I agree. It's a, it's straight robbery. We're being robbed of this. Right? I, I think it's they, my right to watch this movie. Yeah, and I think that the studio, I think oh, they, they buried them before they even had a chance by by taking Dan Aykroyd's original idea and then, you know, taking a lot of the fun out of it in my idea. You know, if he'd put out a, a comically gory, cartoonishly horror, darker version of this, I think that it, yeah. it, it could have been huge. I think it would have been yeah. even more iconic than it is now. Yeah, because this movie's also like Ghostbusters, where it's like sort of scary. I guess it could be that like level. I think that's a. Gr- I think that that is a fucking great comparison, dude. I think it could be on that level of, uh, of notoriety in pop culture. What a shame! I think it's time to head to the chase scale. The cinematic hell appreciation scale of excellence. Okay, Grizz. So uh, why don't you give me some of your favorite scenes, give me your final thoughts, and give me a rating. All right. Some of my favorite scenes from this movie. I I love a lot of like the the in the house stuff that happens. Uh, the hot dog scene with the uh, the railroad track that comes out of the table. It's like a little toy choo-choo train with the mustard and ketchup on it and the relish and everything. Uh, the entire just dinner scene is, is genius. They got fucking the old Hawaiian punch in a can that he's he's using an, an oil tap, the old school oil tap I love on. That, it, dude. It's, it's I love great. That. That's probably I'm gonna get that. I would love. I would drink out of that <laughs> shit right now, dude. I love it. Um, I love that. Like, there's like these cool booby traps that lead to slides that you know lead down to these pits of bones where you see all the victims that have actually have been through the the the, the it's jury. Like the running the, man. Yeah, it, it's it's really cool house stuff especially knowing that all the the effects in the house were practically done i mean they they have beds spinning out of control like they're attached to a giant fucking drill there's such cool things that i think go overlooked in this film that it deserves so much more praise it is with flaws um with that i will say that it's not a five out of five movie for me because i would love to see the r cut i think that might do the uh the five out of five but this pg-13 cut is a strong 4.5 for sure i will watch this any day you want me to watch it i also like the whole dinner scene it's like a weird type like they're not they're not in any danger during that dinner scene he's legitimately trying to be nice to them at that point yeah right like oh eat like eat yeah yeah, like he's being like super cordial and like he likes the train thing. <laughs> yeah, and like everybody's like happy and they're all grossed out. And I like the fact that like the pickle thing is what sends the Brazilian people yeah. over the edge. Like that's funny to me. Uh, I like John Candy in this movie. I like him as the cop. I like him as the woman. It's fucking great. Uh, overall, I think this movie is good for really any age group right like you can watch this with your kids there's no bad totally. stuff in this movie and like they're not gonna realize his nose looks like a dick probably yeah, th- that kind of stuff yeah. that kind of I humor never, is very i never subtle. noticed that as a kid very subtle yeah i never noticed that as a my kid. dad pointed it out so, to me when i was a kid so i noticed it just because that's like the kind of humor my dad but he, had. <laughs> 
but he pointed it yeah, out I to you. To, though, I had to be shown that, that it you was didn't a dick. even. Yeah. Now I agree that this does need to have that R rating. It needs oh, to have man. an uncut, gutty. Uh, it needs to have an uncut, bloody version. Uh, so we can't give it a five, but I will give it a 4.75 nice. because I really think this movie is worth watching. It's worth owning. It's really cheap. The tape is really cheap. Um, I don't know. If you've never seen it, I think it's worth checking out. You guys, you can rent it anywhere. You guys will be really excited to know that in 2022, we will have the Nothing But Trouble remake by the one and only Rob Zombie. So everyone can be super oh, excited yeah. for this movie because yeah. I think that's really going to put yeah, this I in perspective. Yeah, I can't wait for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the elements of a good Rob Zombie film are here for him to just really, really put his masterful touch on it, Mike. And I think that that will really push you over the edge of, of your fandom. Yeah, for we just need a it's got uh, like the. It's already got some murder, so he could do that. It just needs more cursing. It needs rape. Incest. It needs, yeah, a little incest. Some motherfucking. And they're all set. Yeah, a little motherfucking, <laughs> right? Some aliens. Somebody's maybe? a stripper. Shit. Somebody's a stripper. On Demi Moore has to satanic be satanic Mexicans or something. That'd be fucking rocking, dude. Yeah, <laughs> rocking and rolling, baby. <laughs> I think that just about wraps up nothing but trouble right Great time i feel like we said a whole bunch about this you got a little bit of a background a little bit of our opinion definitely check it out overall thumbs up go rent it stream it do whatever you can try to find the tape it's worth it now we head to everybody's favorite segment porno corno followed by the video dropbox This is an important announcement from the Adult Video Association. Here in the United States, we're going through a difficult time for personal rights. The federal government and a number of states have passed new laws pertaining to the censorship of adult material. These laws apply not only to videotapes, but to books, records, and plays as well. They give broad powers to the police and prosecutors who seek to stop the distribution of material they consider objectionable. Well, well, after long denial, we're back to prematurely shoot off another review. This week, we dive into Lunar Lust from 1990, released by Hollywood Video. This featurette is loaded with a pound-for-pound, inch-for-inch massive cast, featuring Marilyn Rose, who smashed out 34 appearances in 1990, including Star Spangled Banger and As Cute As They Come. In the director's chair for Lunar Lust was Gordon Vandermeer, fresh off completing his masterpiece series, Backdoor Summer. With his vision and guidance, viewers are sure to be pleased visually with insanely clear lighting, well-thought-out sets, and shots so close you could crest Berman the play-by-play. He could go all the way. The VHS release for Lunar Lust is a cosmic wonder. Deep black big box with stars and a high contrast moon. A short and sweet synopsis on the back of the box reads as follows. At night, when things are very quiet, she comes. There, in the soft glow of the moonlight, you see her. She's beautiful. Her full, perfect breast, her rounded, sweet bottom, her soft, gorgeous face. 
She's a space alien of exceptional beauty and hornier than any earthly. Lunar lust, a galactic orgasm. We would be doing our listeners a disservice this week if we did not mention that Randy West stars in this one. The man, the myth, the legend. Starring in over 1,000 adult films from 1979 to 2011, and even got his start in the Emanuel series back in 1977 with Emanuel Around the World. We hope you're enjoying Porno Corno and would love to hear your feedback. So while you're rating Bad Taste Video a 5 out of 5, leave old PC some review love too. Since we're hoping for a better year in 2021, we'll sign off this year more simply. Watch Smut. Okay, so this week we're going to do something that we've never done before. We are going to redo a movie. (gasps) Yeah, now let me explain a little bit. Now, early on in the Bad Taste Video podcast life, I ended up doing the Demons episode. The 1985 Lamberto Bava classic Demons I did it solo. It was short. I ran through it. It kind of sucked. And I always said, fuck, that was a total waste of an awesome movie. And I think it deserves more than what it got. Now, we will be doing it, uh, you know, in its entirety. A deep dive of demons. Let me hit that trailer. The preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning. If you have the courage to see demons sit near an exit, otherwise, you might never get out. In your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons, and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. Could be happening to you. Demons. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals, and the cities will be your tombs. Will you survive it? Demons. Yeah, so we're going to redo Demons. Uh, I'm excited to do it. I think you guys are going to like it too. Uh, I think it's time we head over to the wide world of gore. Wide world of gore. 
What's going on, everybody? It is Grizz here, and I want to touch on a really fucking awesome movie today. This is probably one of my favorite movies of the past, I don't know, maybe maybe 10, 15 years that have come out. It's brutal. It's artistic. It's fucking amazing. It is The Bunny Game. So this movie is a slight departure from the wide world of gore that you might be used to because this movie really doesn't have a lot of blood, guts, and gore. But what that is lacking, it totally makes up for in complete insanity, uh, a brutality, sexuality, and just all-out madness. This movie was co-written by the main actress in the movie, Rodeline Getzik, and the director, Adam Raymer. Uh, now, this supposedly is based off of true events that happened to Rodeline in her real life. When you take that into consideration, it makes this movie that much more shocking and, uh, and brutal. So now, this film revolves around this main character who is a prostitute, and she is abducted by a truck driver um, who is also a, uh, a meth user as well as herself, and, and she's lured into the truck under the, the guise of drugs and obviously money for sex. Uh, this truck driver then kidnaps her and takes her into the desert, where he has a very elaborate uh, rig set up in the back of his semi, where he has chains and video cameras. Uh, he basically holds her captive and proceeds to torture her with knife play and... Uh, alcohol there is just the outright most insane yet at the same time completely beautiful and artistic in the way that this is shot this movie was made for about thirteen thousand dollars it's all shot in black and white and they filmed it in about i believe a week or so time period now what makes it uh extremely i think different is that the emotion and everything that you feel from this movie because of the black and white setting, because of this uh, really just raw soundtrack, it, it produces this visceral experience of film watching that I don't think is achieved in, in many other films that are out, at least in the past 15 to 20 years. Whereas I think there's films that are shocking, you know, like obviously the Human Centipede series and stuff like that. This is completely different in the sense that it's not meant to be, uh, you know, visually disgusting. This leaves you, on the other hand, more of mentally disgusted as far as, like, you can't believe, you know, what this poor girl is going through. Um, what makes it even more intense is that there's a lot of extreme things that happen in this movie, such as, as branding with a hot iron that is all 100% legitimate. None of it was faked. It's not a fake hot iron. Um, the actresses in this movie, which there is more than one that you see happen to, uh, all legitimately got branded for those scenes. And it gives it this extremely uh, intense feeling when you're watching it, knowing that because it, you, you see the actual anguish. 
um, you think, wow, what an amazing actress, but it's not acting because this is this is his reality. Other aspects that are real uh, in this movie, like the branding, is you know all of the knife play, all of the the sex that you see in this movie because there is actual physical sex that happens in this movie and it's real. You know, there's a, a blowjob scene that happens at the beginning of this prostitute, and you're basically watching a porn at that point. But it's it still has this uh, artistic quality. It still has this grittiness where you feel like you're watching something that you're not supposed to be watching. It, it gives you this really uneasy feeling. And I think that's what more films should try to achieve for. I like to f- come away from a film feeling uneasy, feeling like I shouldn't have seen what i just seen, but I'm also completely infatuated with it because it's different, because it's artistic, because it's, it's fucking amazing. And that's what the bunny game is. Now, my complete love of this film also has a lot to do with the soundtrack. Like I said, it's a very gritty soundtrack, and it is all by the band Harasser. They are a lo-fi black metal band out of California that I have been obsessed with ever since I've seen this movie. Uh, the music is, is fucking brutal. It's really just, like I said, it's lo-fi, so it, it adds to that gritty quality that this film already is trying to obtain. And it, it, it's different. You don't see a lot of uh, films that take this approach in a soundtrack where they actually hire a single band to shape the sound of the entire film. And I think because they chose to do that with Harasser, it creates a much more cohesive piece of art when you watch it compared to something that you know has synth stabs and orchestral pieces and stuff like that. This feels front to back different compared to anything else that i've watched uh this is 100 one of my favorite films if you can't tell check out the movie the bunny game check out the band harasser if you're a fan of black metal if you're a fan of films that will make you question uh what you just watched make you feel very uneasy about what you just watched but leave you completely in awe then i 100 recommend to you check out the bunny game Okay, that uh, just about wraps it up for this episode, the first of the new year. Wherever you're listening to us, please rate us five stars or whatever the top is. I don't even know what the hell it is at this point. Leave a good review. It really helps us out. I think we're actually back to five. Yeah, it's five stars because we're back to a 5.0 rating, baby. Well, you haters going to hate? Suck it! Uh, we also have a Patreon if you want to help us uh, pay for hosting costs and some new equipment. I got a new microphone. I don't know if you could tell. All right. We'll see you next week with Demons. Demons.